Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Here we go. Lamentations chapter 3, verse number 22. Through the Lord's mercies. Everybody say, the Lord's mercies. Say it again. The Lord's mercies. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. I could stop right there and preach all night long. Praise the Lord. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because His compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Everybody say my portion. Says my soul. He's my portion. Therefore, I hope in Him. One more verse. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks him. Praise the Lord. Tonight I want to speak briefly on the Lord's mercies. Everybody say the Lord's mercies. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here, to hear your word. God, we thank you that it challenges, it will equip this next generation. God, to be the inspiring, powerful, motivating army of Christian teens that they are, God. We thank you that they will have an impact on this world. God, we pray that I speak not with enticing words of men's wisdom, with a demonstration and power of the Holy Ghost, God. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I am so thankful for the Lord's mercies. Sunday morning, Pastor kind of started week two of his New Year's service, our New Year's series, if you will. How many of y'all know what our theme here at Community Family Church is this year? Come on, not a time to limit God. It is not a time at all to limit God. And last week, or here this past Sunday morning, pastor preached a message called Not a Time to Limit God's Mercy. And typically every year I try to fall in line with what pastor's teaching and preaching because we're not running some separate youth church down here. We are part of the greater body. And I believe if pastor has a vision and a direction that he wants to set the church for, and then we ought to fall in line with that. And so tonight the Lord has given me a word regarding the mercies of the Lord. And our passage starts out here and it says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Amen. The Bible says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Through the mercies of God, we are not consumed. Now listen, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, right? The enemy comes but to steal, but to kill, and but to destroy. That is what the enemy desires for your teenage life. He desires to steal from you, he desires to kill you, and he desires to destroy you. In other words, the enemy would like nothing more than to consume you and keep you from reaching your goal, from reaching your potential, from reaching the call and the purpose and the plan of God that he has upon your life. That is the goal of the enemy is to consume you to stop you, to to envelop you, to completely surround you, that get you so bound and so tied up and so locked up with the cares and concerns of social media. Let's say them all. Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Be Real, this, that, and the other. I mean, the devil wants you so wrapped up in that mess that everywhere you turn around, you are surrounded. You are consumed by the likes. You are consumed by the hearts. You're consumed by the thumbs up. You're consumed by the views. You've consumed by 
about who saw what and who did what. And listen, I said it once and I'm going to say it time and time again. Young person, especially you ladies, let me tell you, you are not defined by the likes of many, but you are defined by the love of one, and that is the love of the Lord Jesus Christ who hung there suspended. Oh, come on. I'm coming out of the gate ready to go tonight. You are defined by the love of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if he hearts it, she thumbs up to it, he, be, he, he tweets back, or he whatever all those terms are in social media land. It doesn't matter if anybody even looks at it. Let me tell you, God's looking at you. Why? Because you're the apple of your, his eye. He cares about you. He's concerned about you. When Adam and Eve sinned there in that garden, they messed up. They made a mess of God's perfect plan for their life. Instead of God ostracizing them, he quickly went to that garden and said, Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? That was a testament to mankind that God wanted them to know that he was concerned about where they are at. I'm talking about the mercies of God tonight. God's concerned about where you're at. God's concerned about the mess you found yourself in. God's concerned about the mess you made out of that situation. God is concerned about that relationship that you found yourself in. Why? Because he's a merciful God. God's not concerned about it because he wants to strike you down with a bolt of lightning. God's not concerned about it because he wants to punish you and send you to an eternal damnation in hell. That place was never created for you. It was created for the rebellious demon hordes of hell. It was created for those angels that rebelled against God. Everybody say, hell's not for me. Come on, God doesn't want to send you there. Come on, beloved, that's what he said. He so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed on him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Somebody say the Lord's mercies. Come on, the Lord's mercies. What would consume me? It's so easy for you young people to get consumed by who likes who, by who's wearing what, by who's got new shoes, by who's, I mean, good night, y'all. I mean, it's even in the water bottles. Can we just talk current events for a moment? I mean, I remember, everybody remember this? Mm-hmm. And I, oop. Come on, everybody remember all that Visco girl mess? You all, I made that thing so uncool the very first time I said in church. I mean, I marched in here with a hydro flask with stickers on it one day, and everybody's like, Visco girls are out. Pastor Tad's doing it now. Nobody wanted to be a Visco girl anymore. I mean, you all moved right on past that. And then then it went from uh, whatever it was, and now everybody's got to have a Stanley cup with a straw. Bless God, the devil is a liar. Come on, y'all. Why don't you just get a good old-fashioned bottle of plastic water from Kirkland's and and just say, it's as good. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Y'all get so consumed with the fads. So consumed with the cares and the concerns of this world. I mean, so con- any sneaker heads in the house? Come on now. So consumed with your sneakers. So consumed with your makeup. So consumed with your, with your recent outfit and this, that, and the other. I mean, everybody remember when champion sweatshirts were the thing? Y'all, those were the thing back in the 80s when this old boy was growing up. They just came back. But the enemy wants you to be consumed. Consumed. But I would to God that we'd have some people of God that would get consumed by the consuming fire. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. That would get so consumed in pleasing God instead of pleasing man that they can't stand the thought of gossip. They can't stand the thought of backbiting. They can't stand the thought of, listen, I got a sister-in-law sitting up there in the hospital right now. If she doesn't get a miracle with God from God, but bless God, it won't be long before she goes on the glory. But I'm believing for a miracle from God. I ain't got time for your mess. I ain't got time to backbite 
and gossip with you. I ain't got time to get in a fight with you. I ain't got time to be in disbelief with you. I don't have time to fight with you. I don't have the time to get all messed up, wrapped up, and consumed by this mess. I got to get a hold of God. And I know I'm not the only one. You got Brother Stanley Glover sitting in the hospital needing a touch from God. You got Brother Sam Lucas needing a touch and a miracle from heaven. You've got uh, Colton Farsing. Where you at? Bless God. Stand up there, Colton. He's got a friend at his school. Just lost her, his mama to cancer two days ago. Seven siblings. Colton needs to get a hold of God for his friend that is broken right now. He don't have time to get wrapped up in this mess and this drama that his teenage living. Don't let it consume me. Somebody say, it won't consume me. I can't get past this first line, Holy Ghost, because I feel your presence right now. Don't get so consumed by the cares and concerns of the world. Though a thousand may fall at my left hand, ten thousand at my right, that destruction will not draw nigh unto me. Hallelujah. We get so wrapped up, tied up, swallowed up. And all the things that our teenagers and teenage living, amen, you don't realize. Take it from somebody who done lost their hair and the part that's left is gray. Take it from somebody who's aged a little bit and got some experience. What you think is important right now, it's just not important. It's not. And I'm not discounting what you're going through. But listen, the chances are of, uh, uh, I'll just move on. I'll, I'll make this statement and say, there's not a single person in my high school that I got. Now, I know the scenario here tonight is incredibly different because you guys, most of you go to school together, and that's wonderful. And because of the church we have, there's going to be many lifelong friends here, and I hope that is the case, and I praise God for that. But let me just talk as a public school kid here for a second. I don't talk to a single person I graduated high school from, not one. In fact, I graduated with a class of 400 people. I couldn't tell you 14 of their names. It's the truth. I, can't, I went to school with these kids for years, and I am so moved on with my life and consumed with my job and consumed with ministry and consumed with my wife and my child and my family. I can't remember their names. I mean, I get friends requests, and I'm like, that person kind of looks familiar. I mean, I literally was at Walgreens in Kokomo, Indiana during the Christmas break because I went there for Christmas, and, and I was uh, picking up something or rather, and, and I was in line at my hometown, and there's this girl. I knew that I knew her. She looked at me, and I looked at her. I'm talking, we probably hung out together and went to the same places together. I could not remember her name for the life of me. For, I was like, I think it's Amy. Maybe it's Erica. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, she gave me the same look. I could not. And so you know what I did? I just sat there and checked out and got my Burt's Beeswax because my lips were chapped. And, and I checked out. I, didn't, I, could, I, I so didn't recognize her and remember anything about her. I couldn't work up the courage to ask if I knew her. I mean, that's how much it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Everybody say it doesn't matter. So I won't be consumed by it. Oh, amen. Oh, what would consume me couldn't. What would consume you couldn't. The Bible says through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Do you know the devil, if he could... You know what happened in the book of Job when Job had that, that hedge lifted off of him? When God lifted his protection off of him, what would consume Job instantly consumed him. In a day, he lost it all. He lost his wife, his children, his home, got boils on his body, lost his whole flock. His, turn, his friends turned against him. He was isolated and alone, broke, busted, and disgusted. One day, one day is what it took. What would consume me? Wouldn't Listen, I'm talking about the mercies of God. You have no idea the very fact that you woke up your eyes this morning laying in that bed, and the first thing you reach for is that 
that phone. And hallelujah. I, am I talking to anybody tonight? How many of y'all reach for the phone first thing in the morning? Don't lie. You're in church. Come on. Be honest. It's a safe place. Raise your hand if the first thing you reach for in the morning is the phone. I do it too. I'm being honest because that's where my alarm clock is, but that's the, that's the only reason. Hallelujah. But let me tell you right now, what would consume you? There, you shouldn't have opened your eyes this morning. You shouldn't have made your way to church this morning. You shouldn't even have friends this morning. You should be alone and isolated with boils all over your body with every family member you got uh, dead or gone and the enemy laughing at you and cursing you and saying curse your God and just go ahead and die. The person that loved Job the, Job the most, the person that was supposed to stand by him the firmest, his own wife, his own spouse, his helpmate. She said, Job, just curse God and die because he, the enemy, has consumed you. Let me tell you, through the mercies of God, what would consume you couldn't. Amen. That through the mercies of God, we are not consumed. I'm not consumed by addiction. I'm not consumed by pain. I'm not consumed by bitterness. I'm not consumed by hurt. Amen. I went through some trouble as a teenager. I went through some trials. I went through some difficulties. I should be consumed by prescription drugs. I ought to, I ought to drink a, a fourth of whiskey every night just to calm down and go to bed. But what would consume me couldn't through the mercies of God. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the mercies of God. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This next part says, the Lord is my portion. Amen. Everybody say my inheritance. That's what that means. The Lord is my portion. That's a Bible word for inheritance. What is an inheritance? Hope it's your security for tomorrow. It's what was laid up for you. It's something you didn't earn. Something you didn't work for. It's something that somebody else laid up for you. That way when they're gone, they leave you something to help secure your future. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. He says, I'm going away. <laughs> but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you a portion. I'm going to leave you a comforter. I'm going to leave you the Holy Ghost. I'm going to leave you a help. I'm going away, but I won't leave you without comfort. The Bible says the Lord is my portion. He is my inheritance. In other words, he is the source of my security. He is the hope for my tomorrow. Amen. I know I'm to a bunch of young people and you think you've got 50, 60, 70, 80 years to go and bless God, I hope you do. But some of you don't have that long to go. I hate to say it, but it's the truth, friend. It's called life. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be hurtful. And you say, well, Pastor Tad, you ought to be more positive. I am positive. Some of you have less time than others. Some of you won't make it. Oh, I'm saying it. Some of you may not make it to your 30s. Some of you may not even make it through your 20s. Some of you may not even make it through your 40s. Some of you won't make it through your 50s. I don't know when your time's coming, but I do know this your time friend is coming so however much time you have make this confidence and say Lord you are my hope for tomorrow you are the source of my security I'm not going to wait till I'm 25 to serve you I'm not going to run around and sow my wild oats and drink what I want to drink and sleep who I want to sleep with and listen to what I want to listen to right now God you are my portion you are my source for tomorrow you're my hope insecurity. That's the lie of the enemy to tell you you've got more time than you actually got. And I hope that scares the tarnation out of you. 
I do. Listen, don't get mad at me if I'm scaring you. The Bible says some you got to save with fear, having compassion, pulling them out of the fire. This preacher, bless God, is reaching down in the fires of hell and pulling some of you out because you don't have as much time as you think you have. Listen to me right now under the sound of my voice, under the Holy Ghost unction. Some of you have far less time than you actually think you have. Some save with fear, having compassion, pulling them out of the fire. He's got to be your portion for tomorrow, your security for everything you hope for. Hallelujah. Mm. To the soul who seeks him, the Lord is good. The Lord is good to the soul who seeks him. Jeremiah 29, 13. Many of you know this because you love Jeremiah so much. The Bible says, you will seek me and you will find me. When? When are you going to seek him and find him? Some of you have been seeking God and you haven't found him. It's because you forgot the rest of that scripture. <laughs> oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You will seek God. You've been to every church service you can come to. You did everything the preacher told you to say. You, you quoted after him. You remembered the scripture. You listened to podcasts. You even read a little bit of the Bible. You have done everything the preacher has told you to do, but you've sought God, and the only testimony you have out of seeking God is that I haven't heard a lick from him. I haven't. He's not come to me like he's come to you. He's not come to me like he's come to sister so-and-so. I haven't experienced God like sister Becca Mosley has experienced God. I haven't experienced God like Emerson's experienced God. I've not had a touch from God. I'm not gifted on the drums like Addison. And, and I've got this, that, and the other going on. Listen, the Bible says you will only find God when you seek him with your whole heart. That's the word of God. Seek him and you will find him when you seek him with your whole heart. Jeremiah 29 and 13. So friend, if you've been seeking God and you've been coming up short and you say your relationship with God is not what it ought to be, friend, it has nothing to do with the God that you're seeking has everything to do with your pursuit. Maybe your pursuit is half-baked. Maybe your pursuit is half-planned out. Maybe your pursuit is Sunday morning only and Wednesday night only. Maybe you've left that Friday night portion for that old devil and that old world friend. You won't find the God that I serve. You won't find the God that I'm seeking if you don't seek him with your whole heart. Amen. The Bible says, seek the Lord. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. That's holiness preaching right there, friend. If you don't have all of God that you're desiring, it's because you're not, all, you're not desiring all of God. It's as simple as that. If you can't give up that relationship that you know is not of God, friend, don't expect to find what you're looking for. If you, if you ain't got enough sanctification to mess up that playlist a little bit and shake that thing up and say, bless God, I'm going to get some good old, I don't know, southern gospel in here, whatever. I mean, I don't know, just make it something that's spirit-filled that's going to honor God. If you ain't got enough of the spirit of God to do that and mess your playlist up a little bit, friend, maybe that's why you're not finding what you're seeking. It's not that God's hidden from you. Don't make the mistake and say, God's hiding from me. No, I mean, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He may the earth is footstool. God's everywhere to be seen. You walk out in the woods and just look out there in nature. You'll see God everywhere you look. God's not hiding. He's right there in front of you waiting for you if you will seek him with your whole heart. You could have as much of God as you want. No more, no less. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. What's that next part? For they shall be filled. There's no maybe statement in that scripture. There's no lackadaisical promise from God there. 
There's no, if you jump the right way, if you preach the right way, if you go to the right church and sing the right songs. No, here's what God said. Blessed are you. You'll be blessed if you seek God. If you're hungry enough and if you're thirsty enough, if you have an appetite, in other words, for the things of God, you will be filled. Come on. When you say hunger and thirst, just substitute that for spiritual appetite. Blessed are those who have a spiritual appetite for the things of God because they will be filled. If you draw nigh unto God, he will draw nigh unto you if God's hidden it's not because he's hiding the Lord's mercies are good hallelujah let's look over at Hebrews 9 real quick let's get to what I was supposed to preach hallelujah actually it's in Hebrews 9 go back and read it it's a great chapter in the Bible you should read it it's really good but it talks about the earthly sanctuary and the heavenly sanctuary when, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he did so and he instructed Moses to build something called the tabernacle. Everybody say the meeting place. The meeting place is what the tabernacle means. God wanted to meet with man. A holy God, imagine that, wanted to meet with an unholy man. How many of y'all are glad that a holy God wants to meet with you, an unholy man? Amen. Hallelujah. The only way the holy God can meet with unholy man was through blood. Everybody say blood. Come on, I'm not talking about... Well, at that point, it was the blood of goats and heifers and pigeons and lambs, and it was the animal sacrifice because Jesus Christ had not yet been crucified to pay the ultimate price. That priest would get the blood of those goats and those lambs and those heifers, and once a year on the Day of Atonement, he would go into the most holy place, and inside the holy place was the Ark of the Covenant. If you know what the Ark of the Covenant is, say yeah. Okay, most of you do. The Ark of the Covenant was a golden chest. On top of that golden chest was a lid. They call it the mercy seat. Say the mercy seat. The mercy seat had two angels facing each other whose wings were outstretched, touching each other at the tips of their wings inside the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, and so when that priest would sprinkle the blood, that blood would hit the mercy seat. And the Bible says the Shekinah glory of God would light up the holy place and the priest would make atonement. He would talk to the Lord. He would offer up repentance and, and, and ask God for forgiveness for the sins of a nation and God would forgive them. The priest would begin to dance before the Lord and an announcement was made that God accepted the sacrifice. Their sins were forgiven for a year. Next year, they had to rinse and repeat for hundreds and thousands of years. They rinsed and repeat, rinsed and repeat. They made a sacrifice. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, Jesus came on the scene and he became what? called a more perfect sacrifice. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that he hung there suspended on the cross between heaven and earth and emptied out his body of his precious blood. And the blood of Jesus Christ became the ultimate sacrifice once and for all, the Bible says. Everybody say once and for all. I'm the for all. You're the for all. Come on, that broke, busted, and disgusted you is the for all. The addicted is the for all. The before Christ is the for all. Jesus Christ came once, and that once was enough for all of us. No matter how good you are, no matter how bad you are, no matter how far you think you've gone, Jesus Christ came once and for all. I said once and for all. That should resonate with you. Inside that Ark of the Covenant, there were three things. There was Aaron's rod that budded. There was a golden jar of manna. And there was the tablets of stone that had the command of God, the law of God written on it. God instructed those three things to be placed in the Ark. And everywhere the people of God went, they carried those things. That manna, you'll remember, I think it's in Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16 
The children of Israel had just come out of Egypt. They complained, said it would be better if we'd stayed in Egypt. We don't have anything to eat. And God said, I'm going to send manna from heaven. If you know what I'm saying, wave your hand. Manna from heaven, that's good. God sent manna from heaven, but they started complaining, complaining about it. That was the provision of God. God had provided the manna from heaven. They started complaining about how God had provided for them, and so God had to send them quail and give them some meat to eat. But amen, because they had rejected the initial provision of God, God said, take your rejection, put it in a jar, and put it in that ark, and carry it everywhere you go. That rejection of me, of my provision. Listen, and then he said, take Aaron's rod that had budded, and put Put that in the ark too because God had sent Moses up on the mountain to hear from God and he had left Aaron there as the leader, the second in command. And there was a, 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 a display of God's power and God said, listen, if you're going to determine who's going to take, uh, who's going to stand in for Moses while Moses is up here praying, just get everybody get a rod, a, a stick, basically a dead stick and the rod that buds, blossoms and blooms, um, that's going to be your man. And over in an instant, the Bible says Aaron's rod budded, blossomed and bloomed in an instant but when Moses went up to that mountain to get those ten commandments they had rejected the authority of Aaron and they said hey while Moses is gone let us build a calf let's go ahead and build a golden image because we want to worship like we did back in Egypt we want to have we want to have that feeling that we had back when we were living in the world and so Aaron instructed them and said fine get your gold earrings get your bracelets mailed it down your golden calf, but they had rejected Aaron. That was God's authority that God had established. God's authority was the authority through Aaron and man had rejected it. So God said take that rod, put it in the ark and carry your rejection everywhere you go. You had rejected my authority and you have rejected my provision. The third thing God said put inside that ark was the tablets of stone. When Moses came down from that mountain holding the tablets of stone that the hand of God itself had written the law of God, the command of God, one of which said that Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Before the word was ever delivered, before the command of God could ever be written, Moses is coming down with Joshua, his servant, and he hears the singing and the tumultuous noise, and he realizes the people are worshiping a false god. He throws those tablets of stone down and breaks them because they had already broken the command, the law of God, the word of God. And God said, take your rejection of my word, put it in that ark, carry it everywhere you go. Hallelujah. Listen, I don't know where you're at in your life, but you may have rejected the word of God in your life that tells you a better way to live, tells you a better way to behave, tells you a better place to go, tells you a better way to act. And whatever it is, you may have rejected the word of God in your life. And like the children of Israel, you've got to, re you've got to carry that rejection everywhere you go. And the wages of your sin is death and separation from God forevermore. Hallelujah. Maybe you've rejected the authority of God in your life. You have not surrounded yourself with people that will preach to you and teach you the word word of God. You have surrounded yourself with people who will placate you and play patty cake with you and pat you on your back. But listen, this youth pastor would rather offend you into heaven than please you into hell. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to tell you right now is you got to surround yourself with some people who carry some biblical authority and submit yourself to that authority. Quit surrounding yourself with everybody who will gossip with you, who will backbite with you, who will talk with you. That is not the will of God for your life. You've got to carry the rejection of God's authority with you everywhere you go and maybe it's the maybe maybe it's the provision of God God's provided for you he's given you everything you need but you can't be satisfied with what God's provided for you so you're looking for love in all the wrong places you can't exercise contentment all this all the time looking at what she's wearing and getting mad because you don't have it godliness with contentment is great gain all the time comparing yourself to somebody else 
and deciding you don't measure up to them. So you get mad and bitter. Friend, you're rejecting what God's provided for you. God's given you everything you need. Amen. God's given you. Did you know, girls, let me talk to you for a second. If you have image issues and you struggle with your identity and you call yourself ugly and you look in the mirror and you like, right? I know what you girls do. If you do all that, you're insulting God. God created you just the way, just the way you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Who are you to challenge the nose God gave you? Who are you to challenge the eyebrows God gave you? Who are you to challenge the beauty that God gave you? He made you just how you are, and there's no one else just like you. So quit spending your time trying to look like somebody else because you're not them. You're you. You got to carry that rejection everywhere you go. Hallelujah. But I get so thrilled about this part. Bible says, listen, don't just carry that rejection in a box open for the world. How many of y'all know that's not like God? For you to carry your rejection like those Levites had to do everywhere they went. They carried it. And if that ark was open, what an embarrassment. You mean your God brought you out of Egypt? Let me get this right. He brought you out of Egypt he, with, with plagues and pestilence. Like he turned the heart of Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. It brought you out. And, and let me get this right. You were at the Red Sea. And Pharaoh, the most powerful man and army in the world, was trying to consume you. But through the Lord's mercies, you were not consumed. And God parted that Red Sea, and he brought you through on dry ground, and then he swallowed up Pharaoh and his army and all the chariots. Let me get this right. You were in the wilderness that was so blazing hot that God sent a pillar of cloud to protect you from the heat, and at night you got so cold, he, he sent a pillar of fire by day, uh, by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Let me get this right. Your shoes never got too small, never wore out. You never lost. Your clothes seemed to last forever. They grew with you, and there was, you, you, there was a rock, a rock that followed you in the wilderness and millions of gallons of water rushed out of it every you wait a minute god gave you hot bread from the from the oven of heaven every day and when that wasn't good enough he flew in quail for you wait a minute there was there was there was giants in the land and god defeated you mean you marched around a city and shouted and didn't lift up a sword and god brought the walls down you did all of that god did all of that you mean to tell me you have a God that does all of that and you rejected him? Exposing your shame to everyone. Exposing your shame for everyone. But no, 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 that's not how my God works. Hallelujah. He said put a lid on that thing. Come on, we serve a God who put a lid on it. Amen. He won't let that mess out because he doesn't want it to consume you. He, he's not going to define you by your mistake, by your failure, by your yesterday. Not only will God put a lid on it, but he's going to put those angels on top of it. And he's going to call that thing a mercy seat. Amen. God's mercy will be there to cover your rejection, to cover your failure, to cover your sin. Where you and I have fallen short. God's not putting it out there on public display to embarrass you, to make you work for his love. No, the Bible says he is going to cover your sin.
to cover your rejection when you knew better and you did it anyway. God's not out to kill you. He's not out to destroy you. He's not out to mess you up. That's the devil's role. God came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And the way he's going to bring you life is to put the mercy of God right over top of your failure, right over top of your mistake. Right, I wish to God somebody who's been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ would get on board. I could shout and run all over this aisle right now. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for the mercy and the grace of God where I failed him. Listen, I was relatively clean in my life, but I'm not going to stand up here with a microphone and try to act all self-righteous like I never made any mistake. I'm not going to air it out for you to know. But listen, I'm not a sinless man. I'm not Jesus Christ. I made my failures. I made my mistakes. I had terrible moments. But listen, I'm not defined by those worst moments in my life. Because one day on a hill far, far away stood an old rugged cross. Amen. And the mercy of God came to redeem me. And when the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, hit the mercy seat. The Shekinah glory of God. This time it was a different blood. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, that glory came in the form of the Holy Ghost, permanently dwelt with man. Hallelujah. Everybody say, without the blood, there'll be no glory. Without the blood, there'll be no spirit. Hallelujah. We need the blood of Jesus Christ applied to the doorpost of our heart so that what would consume us will pass over us. Amen. And that when we apply the blood, when we let the blood of Jesus Christ hit the mercy seat that it is in our heart, the Bible says the glory of God will come down in our life. So, friend, I've got a question. Is the glory of God in operation in your life? Listen to me. Is God's glory operating in your life? Do you feel the compassion and mercy? of God is the Shekinah glory, the tangible presence of God at operation in your life. If not, there's only one ingredient. It's the blood. But are you living your life having rejected God's word over your life? Having rejected the authority that God's put in your life? Having rejected everything God's provided for you? Friend, if so, tonight you've got a chance to say, I want the blood. I want the mercy seat so that I could have the glory. I want to exchange the story that I have of my past for the glory of God. I want a testimony from my test. Amen. The Bible says in Psalms 23, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Everybody say, follow me. All the days of my life. All the days of my life. Sister Becca, I'm so glad that the Lord doesn't follow me just on my church days. You know, those days where I'm praising Him and giving Him glory. I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that when I was a teenager and I had my little rebellious moments, usually in the basement of a friend's house, listen, find out where you're tempted and when you're tempted and stay away from there at that time. Some of y'all need to stay out of them basements. <laughs> For reals. Just talking from experience. Just talking from experience. No shame here. Been there. I know. The goodness and mercy of God followed me even in that basement, Jonah. The goodness and mercy of God followed you, young man, when the door was closed. The lights were off. Everybody's asleep. W, W, W. Dot garbage.com. I don't know if that's a real website. If it is, please don't search it. You know what I'm talking about. Fill in the blank for garbage. Goodness and mercy is following you even then. 
Everywhere you go, all the days of, yeah, that one too, that day too. That day when you told God you never would, but you did. That day where you were at that conference or that youth camp or that special youth service and you told God, God, I know, I was there, young people. I'm not judging you. I was there. I remember. I remember this routine. Oh, God, you forgive me. I'll never do it again. I'll never. God, I get up at four in the morning, every morning, God, I promise. Lord, if you forgive me, I'll read the Bible every day, the whole Bible, every day, God, I promise. If you forgive me, Jesus, if you forgive me, never, I'll never. Y'all, I'm telling you, it wasn't but two days later, did it again. Did it again. It wasn't that I had premeditated sin. It wasn't that I was evil. It's because I had this thing, this flesh, this garbage that I was carrying around with me. But guess what? God's mercy followed me even then. I don't know about you. I'm so thankful for the Lord's mercies. Lord's mercies. Now, just because I hate the devil, I want to go ahead and expose the lie he's telling some of you right now. Just real quick. Hear me out. Because of the mercies of God, that is not a license to sin. Because you know God will follow you and God will redeem you and God will forgive you, that is not a license to continue that mess and that filth that you're living in. God's got to stand. Come on. The mercies of God is infinite, but it does have an expiration. One day that eastern sky is going to split. The dead in Christ will rise first. And we which remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at ImpactYM. And remember, you can have as much of God as you want.